I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As a child of the Chesapeake Bay, I come from a long line of people who've made a living out on the water. My dad and my grandfather were both officers in the U.S. Coast Guard, and I have no shortage of cousins and uncles who found work in the shipyards not far from where I grew up. There are a lot of sailors in my family, but when it comes to boats and sailing know-how, there is no one in the world I look up to more than my dad. Speaking to my own path, the maritime thread continues because for a significant chapter, racing sailboats pretty much inhaled my life. I just couldn't get enough. From the age of 14 onward, I was out on the water really any chance I could get. I raced every weekend and practiced most weeknights and eventually got hired as a deckhand on a tall ship, a summer job I returned to seasonally in high school and in college. While I didn't follow the family tradition all the way to the Coast Guard like my dad, he was no less excited to be able to share this love and passion for sailing with me. He was over the moon. But why am I telling you this? What's that have to do with today? In the epistle and gospel lessons we just read, we're told to stay awake, to be alert, to watch for signs and notice them. There's a sense that really minding one's surroundings is integral to how we'll fare in the race, to how we'll navigate the journey that lies before us. Well, as it turns out, that principle, that sense of things, is true in sailing too. Yes, it turns out that words like notice and alert are really key if you want to sail a boat well, if you want to win the race. And because my dad knew that, everywhere we went, and I mean everywhere we went, he was always pointing out things that he wanted me to notice and be alert to, because he believed that doing so, that minding my surroundings in this way, would ultimately make me a better sailor. And there are plenty of examples, too. Like that time we were coming out of a bank, and my dad quizzed me on the direction that the wind was coming from. I paused, felt the wind, and tried to think about it, but I didn't know. Dad then gestured to the flagpole outside the bank, and the direction the flag was pointing to. He said, the wind's coming out of the southeast. See that flag? It's pointing away from the bay, which is southeast from here. That's how you know. Or there was that time we were driving over the Bay Bridge on a blustery day, 
and I asked my dad how hard he thought the wind was blowing. A quick glance at the water below us and he said, well, it has to be at least 11 knots. There are white caps on the waves and those don't start to form until the wind is blowing at least that hard. Or there were the occasions, which were several, when we'd be coming home from school or practice or the grocery store towards the end of day. And you'd look up to see that the sky was a particular shade of red, which dad always accompanied with a now familiar phrase. He still does. Red sky at night, sailors take delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Which is just a pithy way of noting how light in the morning versus light in the evening indicates different kinds of pressure systems and the weather, good or bad, that will follow as a consequence. Yes, I'm not low on memories like these and I'm grateful for them. But when I look back on it, I sometimes wonder why he was so zealous about all these things he wanted me to notice and be alert to. I sometimes wonder where all the facts, quizzes, tips, and anecdotes in service of but one thing. Was it all really just because he wanted me to become a better sailor? Maybe in part, but I've come to believe there was probably more going on. At the core of it, at the core of it, I think my dad really wanted to connect with me, relishing the opportunity to share a common passion and open up some conversations between us. Should also say that my dad's a little competitive and so I think he wanted me to win too, to have a good race which is just another way of saying that I think he wanted me to do well. But perhaps most of all, I think my dad knows that while sailing can be a lot of fun, he knows it also has hazards and can be dangerous. And so he pointed out certain things, made me notice and be alert to them so that I could steer clear. I think most of all that if he cared about anything, he wanted me to have fun and to be safe. As I began to say earlier, the bywords of Advent, the phrases of this season, are forever linked for me with any number of sailing adages and sayings my father continues to share. Stay awake, be alert, watch for signs and notice them. These are the guiding words meant to help us. The insight that knows that if we're careful to mind our surroundings, the world around us, attuned to the wisdom of someone who loves us, then that will make all the difference as we seek to navigate the race, the journey that lies ahead. Beginning again this day, the first Sunday of Advent marks the start of a new year in the eyes of the church. And the word itself, Advent, has a rich history. Derived from the Latin word adventus, it means approach or arrival or coming. And there are a range of ways that Christ seeks to approach or come to us in this season. The first is the one we probably know best. It's the joyous, the marvelous celebration that the infant Jesus came into the world to be Emmanuel, 
to be God with us on Christmas Day. The second coming is the second coming. It's the promise that Christ will come again at the last day to set the world right, to make all things new. And the third and ever glorious is that wondrous truth that all the time, that every day and in every age, Jesus continues to come to us in bread broken and wine poured and every encounter where the Christ in us meets, approaches the Christ in another. And of course, God continues to come to greet us in the scriptures as well. And so as we start our Advent journey this day, it is good that we should hear God's story, the story of someone who loves us as we seek to begin again. As you may have noticed, the tone of our gospel lesson is stark. It's blunt. It has an eyes wide open kind of feel to it. Pulled from the middle section of the final sermon Jesus preaches in Matthew, this passage closes out a pretty sobering illustration of all the events and calamities that will span the period between what Wesley Allen calls the already of salvation and the still not yet, the time before Jesus returns again. The picture described is one of chaos. It's one of violence, temptation, and betrayal. It includes just about every issue and wedge one could think of, every threat that might seek to divide the people of God as we wait, as we hope, as we long in expectation of that final day when Christ will draw in a warm embrace the entire world to God's self. Now, if you relate at all to the disciples in this moment, then I'm guessing it might be likely that there's a semi-pressing question that's resting ever so precariously on the tip of your tongue, which is when, Jesus, can you tell us when? How long will we have to endure these events and calamities before that long-expected day of which you speak finally comes? Please tell us when. Well, as it happens, it is in today's gospel that the disciples receive their answer, but I think it's safe to say that it's not the answer that any of them especially wanted. Yes, Jesus says to the disciples, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. In short, he rejects any notion that the answer can be found in the hands of anyone but God above and then moves to stress to underscore how very important it will be to maintain a watchfulness, a wakefulness, a posture of readiness, poised and set to respond to the day and hour that indeed no one knows. Using the story of Noah and the flood as an illustration of the same, Jesus points out he reminds the disciples that in Noah's days, the people continued as usual, Noah included, right up to the moment that the rain fell, that the waters rose, that the flood finally came. The point being that the arrival of the last day will be just as swift, just as unexpected. But of course, one question leads to another. And so if we can't know the when the disciples were hoping to learn, if we can't fix our eyes on a date when that right ordering will happen, 
when all will be made whole, when all will be made new, then one has to wonder what it might look like to occupy the now. How do we as Christians abide this in-between time, this present, this moment when things are not as we would ultimately like them to be? And how do we do it well? How do we live amidst chaos and violence, betrayals and temptations of the heart, and witness to something more? While blessedly Advent and today's gospel meet those questions, those important questions, with a clear response. Speaking in Matthew, Jesus' answer to all of this, his sharp admonition for how we are to occupy the now, is to stay awake, be alert, watch for signs and notice them. As I said, I think these are words meant to help us. I think keying into our surroundings tutors our minds to the knowledge that Jesus continues to come into this world, to meet us in the everyday. And I think tuning our hearts to the voice of someone who loves us will make all the difference as we seek to navigate the race, the journey that lies ahead. I began with the story I began with, the one about my father, because I see a lot of connections between it and the ways God so often seeks to be in relationship. Like a loving parent, I think God wants to connect with us. I think God relishes the opportunity to share a common love and open up some conversations between us. I think God wants to protect us, that he cares about our safety and well-being, wanting us to be alert because he knows there are hazards and storms that will try to pull us under. But above all, I think God wants us to fare the journey well, to have a good race, to notice and see signs of all the ways he is breaking into the world to guide us, to point the way and call us home. I think the voice of Jesus in today's gospel is the voice of someone who loves us, who cares for us fiercely. But together with that, I think that voice is always one of invitation too. And so my prayer this day is that we will begin the Advent season eager to hear where it will call us next. There's a verse from the prophet Jeremiah that says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so at the end of it, that's really my question for us today. How might we be shepherds after the Lord's own heart this season, particularly as we remember those who have been shepherds to us, encouraging us to be alert and notice those signs of the holy? How might we watch for signals of Christ's coming, Christ's approach, and inspire others to look for them too? How might we feed those around us with the knowledge and understanding that they are loved? And how might we, following God, herald the advent, the beginning of something new? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.